All right, I'm going to take a text this morning from Psalm 122. Psalm 122. Sunday school, they got my uh, they got my sermon this morning. So uh, y'all are getting something. We'll figure out. Uh, we'll figure this out as we go on. I was thinking back, and I get very nostalgic this time of year uh, because of just memories that pop up and things. And um, next week will be six years that uh, since my first Sunday here, and uh, just marking that, I always think back and, like I say, thinking about people, thinking about things and. Uh, one of the things I, I recall doing a number of times those first few years, I'll be honest, there's times I, I'd get up and I'd had worked all week and uh, didn't have as much time to put into a sermon as I'd hoped, and I'd get up here and, and, and get something out. And as soon as I'd, you know, we'd have, as soon as church over, I'd think, my goodness, why in the world do they have me here? I still think that quite often. But uh, there's a number of times I thought, my goodness, I really wish I'd had a lot more time kind of winged a few of those. <laughs> I tried not to, uh, but I just know back uh, back in those days when I was still working at the bank and stuff, it, it happened uh, a few times. I feel like here I am six years later and I'm right back to doing that <laughs> this morning. But um, as uh, just seeing the news yesterday morning, I'll tell you what, yesterday, I was just excited. Yesterday was going to be a great day. I had the men's breakfast kicking things off and we had the... Um, uh, they had the cemetery meeting up here and got to see a few folks uh, when they came up here for that. And then, of course, the big thing, the Rangers won their playoff game. That's a good good start. Aggies, eh, well, they're the Aggies. They lost. But uh, seeing, uh, you know, football, all these things going on. I mean, this is, is going to be a fun day. Uh, I mentioned that we did a little baby dedication thing for our neighbors. Had that. Uh, everything was just real, just real beautiful little uh, moment with them and, Appreciate that opportunity, and uh, by the way, they gave me like uh, three plates of food from their uh, from their party over there. And, oh my goodness, uh, I just about foundered myself on some of that. Um, but uh, uh, very thankful to be a blessing to them. So I mean, also you look at when you wake up on. I woke up Saturday morning. I was like, man, this is going to be great. Until I realized I forgot the biscuits. I had to go run to Walmart and get biscuits and come here. But then you open up your phone. Uh, for me. And one of the things I do most every morning is hop on and see what's going on in the world. I I typically just tell you what I do. I don't recommend this necessarily, but I, I've got three news websites I tend to check and kind of across the spectrum because I, I just like to get, see, the, see all the different spin on things. Drudge Report, I usually check that and see the headlines, see what big's going on. I usually checks Fox News, and you can throw stones at me, but I usually check CNN. I just like to see what kind of spin they're putting on things. It's uh, kind of fun, fun to see the different perspective. But open up and open up the news, and you see these reports about what was happening in Israel. Kind of put a cloud over the whole day for me. I, I don't like seeing these things. I don't like seeing these reports, and uh, especially over in Israel. Um, so it's just been on my mind, on my heart, and is. Put together the sermon for this morning. Uh, I was going to go a completely different direction. The whole back of my mind, I kept thinking, maybe I ought to say something. Maybe I ought to say something else. Maybe I ought to do something. And so I woke up this morning. I, I pretty much decided, you know what? I, I think I need to. So 
for a few minutes of your time here, I want to talk a little bit about Israel. In, in Psalm 122, I'm going to read the entire uh, nine verses right here, and then we'll take our text from verse number six. So Psalm 122, beginning verse number one, this is a psalm of David and uh, one that he wrote. It's also a psalm uh, of degrees, as, as you see there in the title. These were sung at the great feasts, uh, festivals, as the people were traveling into Jerusalem and traveling to go to the temple. These are the songs uh, in this section here of the book of Psalms. You'll see this title quite often. And these are the songs that they would sing in these holy days uh, as they're celebrating uh, God. That's what that, that song of degrees means. Psalm 122, verse 1. And I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say, Peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. Got some pops or something there going on, Bill. I'm not sure what's going on. It may just be the monitors. Just started. We were talking about this a little bit yesterday, and I think one of the greatest proofs for the existence of God, you say, well, it's creation. How did all this become to be? Well, it's because God created. That makes way more sense than the alternatives, by the way. You think about, well, the Bible. You think about salvation. You think about truth and these, these, these very intangible things. Say, well, those prove that there is a God. We said yesterday, I think the greatest, one of the greatest proofs for the existence of God, the power of God, is that the Jewish people are still exist. God called Abraham, Genesis chapter number 12, made a covenant with him. said, if you'll leave the Ur of the Chaldees, if you'll come to this land, I, will, I promise I will give it to you, to your, to your descendants. They'll be a mighty nation, a great people. They'll be as numerous as the stars in the sky, as the sand of the sea. So this land, when we talk about the Holy Land, be careful, I really don't like to be honest, I don't like to call it Palestine. That's actually the history of that name, by the way, comes from uh, after the Romans went in and destroyed the nation for the second time in the 130s A.D., um, they wanted to wipe Judea and the Jews off the map. So they renamed it Palestine. That's where that name comes from. And actually the root of that goes back to the Philistines. So they named it after the arch nemesis of the people. That's where the name Palestine comes from. Kind of hesitant to use it, talking about this land. But the land of Canaan, this promised land, would be his. And then if you go through the book of Genesis, that promise flowed down through Abraham, through his son Isaac, through his son Jacob, to Jacob's sons. Those families became the foundation for the twelve tribes of Israel. Israel was chosen to be a very special people. 
they have a very special role in the plan of God. In Deuteronomy chapter number 7, it says, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not see, uh, set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people. Uh, for ye were the fewest of all people. God didn't pick you because you were the biggest or the best. But verse number eight, but because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he hath sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God brought the nation of Israel out of out of Egypt, brought them into the to the land. Joshua leads them across the Jordan River. They they take the land for their own. They begin to settle it. They divide it among the tribes. The history continues on from there. The judges, the kings, and and uh, but that's the foundation for it. If you study it out, there's four great covenants God makes with the nation of Israel. Four agreements, promises, covenants. These are these are sealed deals. Just like you go and if you were to buy buy land, you'll go and you have a title deed and all that stuff's kept on record to to show that 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 was properly done and it was it was complete and it's official. Well, God made these four agreements. There's the Abrahamic covenant back in Genesis. number of times, Genesis 12, 1 through 3 is the first part of it. There, he said that he would multiply and bless Abraham's descendants, and through them, the entire world would be blessed. Through them, he would reveal himself. Through them, the Messiah would come. There's what's sometimes called the Palestinian covenant. I'm not a fan of that term, like I said, but Deuteronomy chapter number 30, verses 1 through 10. And this is that that land, they'll be able to possess that land. The land will be a blessing to the people of Israel. Then there's the Davidic covenant in 2 Samuel 7, 4 through 17. This solidified the place, the house of David as the leadership, as the royalty. And by the way, marking them as being the ones from whom the Messiah would come. And then there's what's called the New Covenant in Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. And it promises a day that the nation of Israel will be fully restored to God. That they will turn from their own selfish ways, from their sins, from any idols or other gods, but they will be a nation fully devoted, fully turned back to God. By the way, that day has not happened yet. There's been times of revival in, in Israel's history. You can see many times in the Bible. But that day has not happened yet. That's a promise that's yet unfulfilled. Thinking about all these things, about this special place that Israel has in the heart of God. Thinking about the history, how they go for really about 70 A.D., when the Romans first went in, the first Jewish revolt, and uh, they were dr- most of them taken from the land. There were some that were left, and about uh, 60 years later, in the 130s A.D., there was a second Jewish revolt under gar- a guy named Bar Kokhba, and that's when the Romans just wiped them off the map. Since that day, there had just been a very, very small presence in the land that God had promised them. Since then, the Jews have been 
wandering throughout this world, no true home to them, wondering where is the promise of God? When will the land be ours? Hoping, praying, some of the ceremonies, closing them out. Uh, some of their, uh, they would say next year in Jerusalem, hoping and praying for that day. And in our lifetimes, we've seen some of this play out. It's amazing to think that for years that lamb was didn't belong to the Jews. Then you get into the uh, the British, the Balfour Proclamation said we're going to establish a land. 1947, the Jews establish a state. A miracle happened since that day. And pretty much immediately, they've been at war. They've been at war to defend their very existence, defend their right to be there. It's a very tumultuous history. You study out the history of the people of the land. And then you look here in Psalm 122, in verse 6, and it says, pray for the peace. Pray for the peace. There's some things God tells us we need to pray for. And think about the, the Lord's Prayer. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive our, you know, for, forgive our sins. Forgive those who have wronged. All these different ideas in there. Here's one where God says, we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And that's not just the city, that's, but that's, that's the Jews. We need to pray for peace for them. There are those today who would claim that God has done, He's done with the Jews. He's, he's cast them off. Uh, it's called replacement theology. There's Christian groups, a lot, of, a lot of Protestant groups. You have to be careful with some of these, some of the Lutherans and some of these guys. They believe that the church and Christians have replaced the Jews in the plan of God. Uh, there is a, it is a despicable theology. I, I can't honestly, I can't give it words enough to say how awful that theology is. Especially because when you read the Bible, it's clear God is not through with the Jewish people. So, well, they killed the Messiah. Yeah, that was all part of God's plan. He had to die. He had to die for our sins. We talked a little bit about that last week, but He's coming back. He's coming back. Those promises made that there will be a kingdom, the promises made that lamb will be theirs, the promises made that there will be a time of peace and the lion and the lamb and will lay down, all that. God didn't say, oh, you know what? Forget about that now. No, He says it's still coming. It's still coming. God is not through with Israel. There's so many prophecies, so many prophecies we could turn to. The book of Revelation we just went through in Sunday school uh, not too long ago. Everything revolved. You know, when you look at prophecy, I, I kind of picture it as like a bullseye. In uh, the, the middle, the epicenter of prophecy is not Rome. It's not New York or Washington, D.C. It's not Austin. Definitely not Austin. not even America. You know where it is? It's Jerusalem. It's Israel. Everything revolves around the Jewish people in the promised land. Everything in prophecy revolves around them. The land will be theirs. They will be established. And listen, it's hard times. The Jews have had awful hard times in their history. Go and read 
what the Catholic Church did to them at numerous times. Kick them out of cities, kick them out of nations in Europe. Look at how they've been made enslaved by the Romans, enslaved by different groups. Look at how they were treated, uh, the oh, pogrom, the pogrom uh, stuff that they did in Russia against them. Uh, just systematic slaughter, systematic execution, systematic uh, ex- expelling them from their nation, from their home. Look at what Hitler and in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the Germans did. By the way, a remarkable thing yesterday, if you had seen your, if you'd watched the news, the, the, the famous Brandenburg Gate there in, in Germany. In solidarity with Israel, they shone uh, the, uh, the the colors and the the shape of the Israeli flag on the Brandenburg Gate. That's amazing. What do you think about the history? What happened there uh, in some of our lifetime, your, your lifetime, not mine? You look back and they're supporting Israel. That's amazing, amazing thing. But you look at all this, you look at what's gone on in the land. And listen, by the way, I'm not saying Israel is a perfect nation. There's no man that's perfect. They've got faults, and there's some of them that are rascals. I know that. I know that there have been things gone on that shouldn't have gone on, uh, on on all sides. That's just, it's humanity. Things happen. But I look, you look over there, you look at this last year since uh, 1947, you look at the Yom Kippur War, you look at the, uh, the Six-Day War, you look at the continued uh, terrorist attacks. And by the way, these aren't freedom fighters are doing this, they're terrorists. They're terrorists. They're snatching in, kidnapping people, they're parading corpses around. These are terrorists. That's what they are. Actually, I've got better terms for them, but I, we're going out on the Internet. I don't want to say exactly what I think necessarily. <clears throat> but um, Israel's been having to deal with this. And by the way, it's a religious war. You know these people they're fighting against? The Muslims, they hate the Jews. By the way, where does all, all that go? It goes back to Abraham. It goes back to Ishmael. These are ancient, ancient, ancient rivalries and hatreds. This isn't something... Somebody steps in and fixes, like everybody hopes a president or the UN will do. It's far, far deeper than that. Saying all these things, I have two points for you here this morning. First off, I want to say pray for peace today. Pray for peace today. Israel has declared war for the first time, what I read, in 50 years. It's a momentous step because so many times they've had to endure things when they've been attacked like this and then the UN or America step in and talk them down. This time there's a lot of support for them. That what happened was despicable. Over 5,000 rockets aimed at civilians, by the way, they're just lobbing those things in the metropolitan areas and hoping they kill Jews. There's no other, it's terrorism. If you didn't see what the, some of these guys did, uh, they flew in the little uh, paragliders, the deals with, look like uh, parachutes with the little go-kart thing underneath them, flying those things in with machine guns just shooting people, riding in on motorcycles and four-wheelers and just grabbing people and kidnapping them. 
And like I say, there, there's a very video that's made a lot of rounds. Some poor uh, girl from Germany got killed, and they're parading her around in the back of the truck, showing her off and celebrating her corpse. Horrible atrocities taking place. Now listen, I, my mind, who I am, my personality, I love law and order. I want fairness. I want justice. I don't like chaos. I don't like war. I love to study war, but I, I, I'm not a warrior at heart. I, I like peace. I, I definitely prefer peace. I don't like the suffering. I don't like the destruction that war brings. And looking at this, boy, I'd love to wave a hand, make it go away. But I also would love for justice to be done. I'd love for some safety over there. I'd love... I'd love to be able to go over there and take a tour sometime. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was like, you know what? Maybe this may have been may have missed my chance to safely go over there and actually do like a tour or something uh, if if all this stuff escalates. But we need to pray for peace for today. By the way, millions of people have their eye on Israel right now. The world has their eye on it, and it's amazing. Somebody sneezes in Israel and it makes world news. I, I like to keep up the archaeology, things that happen in Israel. There'll be stories come up. They find one coin. They found one that came out a while back. They found one earring from the Roman times of, of, of you know, when the Romans were in charge. And this made national news here in America. They found one earring. They found one coin. It, you, listen, I can go out in the parking lot and find an earring and a coin that doesn't make news. Uh, they find stuff like that all the time in the ancient world, but because it's Israel, it's news. There's a, there's a hope. Uh, there's an expectation or fear. I don't know how you want to say it. All eyes are on Israel. And right now, there are those celebrating what, what goes on. By the way, I don't know how you can celebrate the murders and atrocities that are taking place. That's a loss of human decency. I'm not trying to call out any people or nations on that. I'm just saying basic humanity ought to look at what happened and say this should never happen. Let me pray for peace for today. I don't want a world war. I, I do not. There's talk about uh, you know Hamas is already involved, Hezbollah up in Lebanon's already involved, the Taliban wants to get involved, all kinds of conspiracy theories about Iran backing this and different groups. Listen, it's a powder keg over there. I really don't want to see that happen. I don't want to see the lives lost. I don't want to see it. Let me pray for peace for today. I pray for justice, but I want peace. But justice needs to come with peace, for there to be true peace. And there just hasn't been that justice yet over there to ensure the peace. Let me pray for peace for today. The second, I want to say, we need to pray for peace to come. We need to pray for peace to come. Everything revolves around Israel. It's not about America. We lose sight of that. We get a little selfish in the way we read things. We read the Bible and we think it's about us. It's, it's really not. <laughs> Salvation is for us. There's a lot of it for us, but it's really about the Jews. Prophecy is for us, but it's about the Jews. It's about Israel. It's about Jerusalem. Don't need to lose sight of that. Studying out prophecy, it's all about Israel. 
there's a day that's coming, and I think it's pretty well laid out in scriptures what is to come. There's groups and people still debate this. I'm pretty sure what's about to happen. And I think these signs make it seem like it could be even closer. These just make it seem like it could be any minute. Are these the the uh, the preliminaries for what is to come? I, I don't know, but it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder. Stuff happens in Israel like this, I start looking up, saying, Lord, is it coming? Is the day coming? Because the next thing on God's calendar is the rapture. There's nothing preventing that from happening. Next thing is, is God calls His children out of this world, snatches them out. That ushers in a seven-year period that's called the tribulation period. The Antichrist rises. He makes a treaty with Israel, a seven-year treaty. He breaks it halfway through that. The rebuilt temple, and by the way, the Jews, they're ready to do that. There's groups, go look up the Temple Institute. Uh, there are groups that have already, they're already making the bowls and the, uh, they've, they've even realized this, they made a new Ark of the Covenant, the, the Temple Institute did, so they have one. Um, just, they're ready. They're ready. They want the temple. They want it. Well, halfway through the tribulation period, that te- the, the um, book of Daniel, chapter number 9, tells us the Antichrist offers the abomination of desolation on that altar. He claims deity for himself. In those last three and a half years of the tribulation period, we, we kind of call that the great tribulation. It's awful. The judgments upon, that God pours down on, on humans and also that the humans do to each other during that time. It's a time of terrible chaos and carnage and war. So well, we're supposed to pray for peace. Yes. Because what comes after that's what's important. What comes at the end of that is what's important. At the end of that, Zechariah chapter number 12, verse number 9 through 11 prophesied over 2,500 something years ago. And it shall come to pass in that day that I, God speaking, will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. By the way, God's already promised that if you move against Israel, I'll move against you. I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. Me to side with Israel. Verse number 10, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they that look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one that mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn son. Those Jews, yes, they rejected the Messiah 2,000 years ago. They're going to come to their senses. They're going to realize, oh my goodness, we made a mistake. They're going to embrace Christ. They're going to look towards Him. Verse 11, In that day there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem as the mourning of Hadadrimon in the valley of Megiddo. What is that talking about? Armageddon. You study all this out there and it looks like Israel's back's against the wall. It looks like they're about to get annihilated in this battle of Armageddon, which is a major, major campaign sweeping through the nation of Israel, and you study it out. Israel is looks like it, it's in like in the movies where the, uh, the you know the cowboys out there surrounded by Indians, and it looks like there's no hope. Then you hear the cavalry charge. Well, the cavalry charge that comes for Israel 
isn't from another nation. It's not even from this world. Because the hope, the answer, comes from above when their Messiah comes. Revelation. We'll turn back here. Revelation chapter number 19. And I saw a heaven, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he called that said upon him, or he that said upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Who is this? This is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in, in fine linen, white and clean. That's us, the first airborne uh, cavalry divisions, what my, my old pastor used to say. Verse 15, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and that, it, uh, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. The day is coming. Israel embraces their Messiah, and their Messiah sweeps in, saves his people from destruction, Sets up what we call the millennial kingdom, Revelation 20, and plenty of other passages on that. Sets up his kingdom to rule and to reign. We'll be there with him. That's when the peace really comes in, is at that day. So when I say we'll pray for peace to come, it's like the, uh, the, uh, it's like the, one of the last verses in Revelation. What we're praying for is like Revelation 22 20. Even so, Come, Lord Jesus. I pray for peace now over there. Pray for justice, absolutely. But I pray for peace. I pray for stability. I, I pray. I don't want to see folks lose their lives. I don't want to see the destruction. I really don't. But more importantly, because we're dealing with Israel, keep an eye looking up. When things start happening over there, you got to start looking up. Is this it? I don't know. We've been saying this is it for a while. <laughs> I don't know. We don't. No man knows the hour. You know, we, nobody knows the exact time. I'm not into date setting, but I'm gonna tell you the signs and everything. This stuff's happening more and more often. It gets bigger and bigger. If God's word is true, I don't see how it can be that much longer. Keep an eye up. Pray for the ultimate peace to come. Pray. Christ and His kingdom, His return. That should be our hope and expectation. That should be our joy. That should be our relief in this world is that there's a better day coming. I hope that you're ready for that day as the musicians come. All the world hinges on Christ. Our hope for eternity hinges on Him. All the world's history hinges upon Him. Even the unbelieving scholars, they don't even, they don't even like to admit it, but even our dating system we use hinges upon Christ coming. B.C., A.D., or they do B.C. and B.C.E., or the common era and all that kind of stuff. It's stupid. But it's all based on Christ came. All the world revolves around Him. Be ready. He's coming. He's coming. I don't know when it'll be, but these kind of things just remind us He's coming. He's coming soon.
Be ready. Be ready. Live your life ready to meet Him. Most importantly, make sure that your faith is in Him and you're ready to meet Him when He comes. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for that ultimate peace to come. If you'll stand, please, we'll have a time of invitation. What number? 317 in the Baptist hymnal. 317 in the Baptist hymnal. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, different message for me. Lord, just felt your, your, your leading to speak on this this morning as uh, events are taking place that cause us to look upward. Lord, we know the promises. We know the hope that lies beyond the chaos of this world. Lord, we know there's an awful time to come for Israel. and We know there's hard times come on this world in the tribulation period. We know the promises that you are coming again for the, for the children of God before that day. Lord, as we see the descriptions of, of, of Matthew 24 and, and Revelation, we see those leaking into this time beforehand. Lord, we cast our eyes upward. We look, we long for your return. Lord, I pray that we live our lives ready, that if you came in this moment, in this instant, we'd be ready to meet you. No, no regrets, no, no fears, but to embrace you when you appear. And Lord, ultimately, that's what we're longing for. I long for peace today, absolutely. I long for peace over there. I long for the people, the Israelis, the the, the, the so-called Palestinian people. I, I pray that they all could get along, that we, we could have a time of peace and prosperity for all. How wonderful that would be. I, I know practically, I know prophetically, that's not going to happen. Lord, that's why I cast my eyes for that greater peace that is to come. And I pray, Lord, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, that the ultimate peace fall upon Jerusalem. We long for that and we pray for that peace to come. Press these truths, Lord, upon our, on, upon our hearts. Let us long for that coming. I pray this all in my holy name. Amen.